Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I am doing well. I don't sound too terrific. I still have the tail of end of this little flu or whatever it was, but I'm I'm uh, I'm doing well, and I'm so happy to be with you. Um, we are audio today, not video, but you are welcome to call in. We are live, and we will continue with um, our catechism today, so that we are the remnant who knows our faith even if we go underground and can teach it to our children and can live it a hundred percent um and at the uh, half hour break we'll begin to take your calls and your emails so all is well beloved and i'm very happy to be able to be with you we are on chapter nine the sign of the cross and we're so used to the sign of the cross that we do it so automatically and maybe a little flippantly and don't think about it too much and i see children doing it and they they hardly um, make the sign of the cross one priest i mentioned yesterday said we look sometimes like we're swatting mosquitoes so um, we should do it properly with reverence uh, truly in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit we to profess our faith with that sign of the cross. In fact, one of the things that held me back from becoming Catholic, it didn't, uh, doctrinally, I wouldn't be held back. If it's true, I'm going to follow him who is true. But um, I couldn't imagine making the sign of the cross, and now I make it a hundred times a day. It's it's a beautiful sign of our faith. Uh, it's It's one of the ways we publicly profess our faith by it <clears throat> the catechism said we let men know that um, we make the profession of belonging to the religion of the crucified savior to jews and turks now i guess when this was written following the council of trent uh, the turks were a big issue uh, the cross is an object of hatred and contempt protestants too pay no honor to the Holy Cross, um, though there are indeed some of them who in the present day have learned the practice from the children of the church. The sign of the cross is thus the peculiar property of Catholics all the world over. It is a custom so ancient that it is generally believed to have been introduced by the apostles. The sign of the cross is made by touching, and now I'm just repeating where we left off yesterday. The sign of the cross is made by touching with the outstretched fingers of the right hand, first the forehead, then the center of the breast, then the left, and finally the right shoulder, saying, meanwhile, the words, in the name of the Father, when we touch the forehead, and the Son, when we touch the chest, and of the Holy Spirit, when we touch left and right shoulders, amen. <clears throat> there is also another way of making the sign of the cross, and I've seen people 
not numerous people do this, by making three crosses with the thumb of the right hand on the forehead, lips and breast successively, repeating the above words so that each of the three crosses is made simultaneously with the name of the one uh, of one of the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. In making the sign of the cross, the left hand should be laid across the breast and the sign should be made deliberately, not hurriedly, as is too often done. In making the sign of the cross, we make profession of the most important of all the mysteries of our holy religion, the doctrine of the Blessed Trinity, and of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, this is so familiar to us. I don't know that I've ever met a Catholic who does not make the sign of the cross, even if not reverently, and does not understand what it's about. But it is so important. I wouldn't pass this over, especially with your children. By uniting all the three persons, excuse me, by uniting all the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, under one name, we make profession of our belief in the unity of God. The name of God indicates his authority and power, and that we act under his commission. In making the sign of the cross, you know, I'll just, a little aside here. Our Lord says, until now, until we uh, have come to know him, you ask nothing in my name. Ask um, now and you shall receive whatever you ask. But to ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit or in the name of Jesus, the name represents, beloved, this is my little aside, all that a person is. Jesus means Savior. And so when we make, when we say in the name of Jesus, it's not a little mechanical thing that our prayer won't get through unless we say in the name of Jesus. When we say in the name of Jesus, we mean that we're asking according to who he is, um, that he is the Son of God and God the Son, and in the name of Jesus is to ask all things according to his will. So some people say, well, I've asked in the name of Jesus, but I don't get what I've asked. Blessed be God if he doesn't give us what we ask, if it's not according to his will, because his will is perfect. Again, the name of God indicates his authority and power, and that we act under his commission. In making the sign of the cross, we make profession of our belief in the Blessed Trinity by the words, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's very important that we see that that's incorrect grammatically. (laughs) No, it's not, because normally in English, we're saying in the name of the Father, one, the Son, two, and the Holy Spirit, three. We would say in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they're not three names, it's one name of the Blessed Trinity, three persons in one God, in the name, singular, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In making the sign of the cross, by the very form of the cross, which we make upon ourselves, we make profession that the Son of God died for us upon the cross. Dear ones, every time I make the sign of the cross, this is me. I still can't get over that I believe. Um, I, I still can't get used to it, and that I'm Catholic, 
and believe everything by the grace of God. When I wasn't seeking him, he found me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid that way. It's been so many years and I still can't get over it. And every time I physically make the sign of the cross, uh, dipping my hand in holy water or the beginning and end of prayers or whatever, whenever I do it, I, I, I've never counted how many times a day. Um, I love it. I, I love that I'm Catholic. I, I'm, never, I'm always reminded that he died for me, rose from the dead to give me life, and that I have life in him. <clears throat> and that I'm on the road to eternity with him. It's so, so beautiful. It's exciting to me. Um, we see that in the sign of the cross, we have a short summary of the whole Catholic faith. The Catholic Church holds the sign of the cross in great honor. It is repeated over and over again in Holy Mass, in all the sacraments, in all the blessings and consecrations. The cross is placed on our churches, over our altars, on banners, on sacred vestments, and over the graves of the departing. Churches are built also in the form of a cross. Years ago, I remember when it was 1999, dear ones, I went to Far East Russia with SALT, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And it was, the, the visit was in the 1999, the, the Berlin Wall came down in 89, and um, Christianity was being restored to that Far East Russia, Vladivostok. And uh, the crosses were ripped off all the churches. The churches stood. No one was allowed mass or anything, but the crosses were ripped off them because it's a sign of what we believe in the Trinity, in the one God, three persons in one God. And so all, all ripped, wherever we went, the crosses had been ripped out by the government. Very powerful. Secondly, um, Reverend Sparago in the Catechism explained under the chapter on the sign of the cross says, by means of the sign of the cross, we obtain a blessing from God, and especially by it, are we protected from the assaults of the devil and from all dangers both to body and soul. So important for us to know, dear ones. The sign of the cross is no empty ceremony, but it is of itself a blessing. I've seen children, uh, schools come to Mass, and the teacher uh, instructing each one to genuflect and make the sign of the cross, but the children are not instructed properly how to make it and how to truly say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and they need to be taught well. Um, it is a blessing and a prayer for a blessing from God. The sign of the cross chases away the devil and his temptations. As the dog fears the whip with which he has been beaten, so the evil one dreads the sign of the cross, for it reminds him of the holy cross by which he was vanquished on Calvary. Dear beloved, there's the music for our first break. Um, we will come back from a break and continue this until um, the second break. And then our phone lines will be open for your calls and your emails. Um, 
So God bless you, dear ones. Call in with anything on your heart whatsoever, and we'll be right back. It's okay for Lent to be a struggle. Christ never promised us fame, riches, or happiness in this life, but rather suffering, poverty, and sacrifice. The desert of Lent helps us discern the need for God. We must realize, in most cases, the desert is more of a path than it is a place for us to live. If we follow in the path of Christ, that is, in His way of the cross, we find not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. We must first die if we wish to be reborn. Moses and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, and Jesus fasted and was tempted in the desert for 40 days. The 40 days of Lent are a time of trial and purification. This Lent, let's leave everything to God, especially if everything seems to be going wrong. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam Live by audio, not video today, but thrilled to be with you. And we are um, in the middle of the chapter where we left off yesterday on the sign of the Holy Cross, which is so important. And we just made the point from Reverend Sparago of the Catechism, explained that the devil hates the sign of the cross because it reminds him of the Holy Cross by which he was vanquished on Calvary. And then Reverend Sparago says there was once a stag S-T-A-G, a once a stag, which bore between its antlers a tablet on which were written in golden letters the words, I belong to the emperor, hurt me not. No huntsman ventured to shoot this stag. So whenever we make the sign of the cross, we bear the inscription, I belong to Jesus Christ. And this protects us from our enemy, the devil. In war, no one ventures to injure those who wear on their arm a band of white to indicate that they are physicians or nurses or ministers of religion. So the devil does not dare attack those who are signed with the holy sign of the cross. The 
sign of the cross, as St. John Damascene, is a seal at the sight of which the destroying angel passes on and does us no harm. The brazen serpent fastened on a pole in the desert in the book of Numbers was an image of the cross of Christ and protected all who looked upon it from being bitten by the fiery serpents. So the sign of the cross recalls to our minds the cross of Christ and protects us from the snares of that old serpent, the devil. In the year 312, Constantine the Great, with his whole army, saw a cross of light in the sky, and upon it the words, In this sign thou shalt conquer. These words are also true of the sign of the cross. Even to remember the cross of Christ, says St. Says says Augustine, even to remember the cross of Christ puts our hellish foe to flight and gives us strength to resist his temptations. Many of the saints used to make the sign of the cross whenever any evil thoughts assailed them. In the times of persecution, the heathen gods often fell prostrate to the ground at the sign of the cross. On the occasion of the finding of the Holy Cross by St. Helena, a woman who was blind was restored to sight by merely touching it. The sign of the cross often frees men from bodily evils also. Many of the holy martyrs on making the sign of the cross felt no more pain in their torments. St. John the Divine once had a cup with a poisoned draught put into his hand to drink. He made the sign of the cross over it and then drank it without receiving any harm from it. Something similar happened also to St. Benedict. And if you remember with St. Benedict, uh, the, cross, the, 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 uh, the, the chalice that had poison wine in it just shattered when he made the sign of the cross over it. In the Old Testament, we find an allusion to the sign of the cross in the letter Tau, T-H-A-U, mentioned by the prophet Ezekiel. God sent destruction upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem on account of the abominations committed there. But an angel was previously commanded to mark the sign Tau upon the foreheads of all those who mourned and lamented on account of the sins of the city, Ezekiel chapter 9. We should often make the sign of the cross, especially when we rise in the morning and when we retire to rest before and after our prayers, before and after our meals, whenever we are tempted to sin and we have any important duty to perform. Dear parents, don't let your children go to bed at night without a prayer and the sign of the cross by their bed with you with them. In fact, you can make, you can bless them. You can make the sign of the cross on your children's foreheads as parents. And when we get up in the morning, same thing, the sign of the cross. When we, um, uh, when we sit down to eat the sign of the cross and what many families miss after our meals, a prayer, thank God for the meal and a sign of the cross. And can you imagine, whenever you are tempted to sin and teach this to your children, the minute temptation hits you, make the sign of the cross. When you you have any important or urgent matter to attend to, make the sign of the cross 
let God protect you and and bring you into the truth of the situation. <clears throat> we should make the sign of the cross in the morning in order to obtain the blessing of God on the day, in the evening to ask for his protection during the night, before all important undertakings, that they may turn out well, before our prayers, in order that we may not be distracted in saying them. The early Christians made continual use of the sign of the cross. Tertullian, in the year 240, says at the beginning and during the performance of all that we do, when we go in and out of the house, when we dress ourselves, when we lie down to rest, in fact, in everything, we mark ourselves on the forehead with the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross should also be made during Holy Mass, at the beginning, at the absolution, which the priest gives at the foot of the altar, at the gospel, at the consecration, and at the priest's blessings at the end of Mass. Saint Edith, the daughter of the King of England, often made the sign of the cross with her thumb upon her forehead. Thirteen years after her death, her thumb remained quite incorrupt. Each time we make the sign of the cross with contrite hearts, we gain an indulgence. Now, it used to be an indulgence of 50 days under Pope Pius IX. Um, the church has, I think, um, abolished the idea of indulgences. I don't know that God has abolished them, but the church has. Um, so we don't know about the indulgences. But um, all that we do, God sees and he blesses. When we make the sign of the cross, we should, if possible, make it with holy water. Holy water has a special power to defend us against all attacks of the devil. When we make the sign of the cross with holy water, we gain each time also an indulgence. Holy water is placed at the doors of our churches and should be placed at the door of our room. Dear ones, each of your children's bedrooms should have a holy water font and at your bedroom and at the entrance to your home. We must never be ashamed of the sign of the cross, lest Christ be ashamed of us. The devil rejoices when he sees anyone neglect to make the sign of the cross, for he knows that the cross is his destruction and a sign of victory over his temptations. Chapter 10. We enter now, dear ones, the Apostles' Creed, which almost all Catholics know by heart. Many Protestants also pray the Apostles' Creed and know it by heart in their churches, the more liturgical Protestant churches. But we don't all understand its doctrine. It's very, very important that we simply not recite words. Beside the Apostles' Creed, which is repeated at baptism, there is also the Nicene Creed that was composed at the Council of Nicaea in 325, and it was enlarged at the Council of Constantinople. Also, the Creed of Pope Pius IV, which contains the teaching of the Council of Trent, most of us don't know this, and was published by the authority of Pope Pius IV in 1564. Some additions have been made to it by the Vatican Council of 1870, Vatican Council I. 
the Nicene Creed is repeated on certain days by the priests in Holy Mass. And the Creed of Pope Pius IV has to be repeated by a convert when he is received into the church and also by parish priests when they enter on their benefices. The Apostles' Creed contains, in brief, all that a Catholic must know and believe. I'm going to repeat that, dear ones. The Apostles' Creed. The creed that was put together, not just named the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles wrote it. The Apostles' Creed contains, in brief, all that a Catholic must know and believe. In its few words are contained all the mysteries of the faith. It is like the body of a child, which contains the limbs and a full-grown man, or like a seed that contains the tree with all its branches. It is called in Latin the symbolum, or distinguishing mark, because in early days the recital of it was the mark by which a man was recognized as a Christian. No one was admitted to be present at Holy Mass unless he knew it by heart. And that's in the early days, beloved. There was no Protestantism then. No one was admitted to be present at Holy Mass unless he knew it by heart. Can you imagine if that were the case today? It should be. It could not be divulged to any unbaptized person. It is called the symbolum as being the watchword of the Christian warfare. The Apostles' Creed is also called because it originated with the Apostles. The Holy Apostles, before they separated from one another, established a certain and fixed rule of their teaching so that it might be the same in all the different countries where they preached. Yet it is only the outlines of the Apostles' Creed that date from the Apostles themselves between their time and the year 600, a number of new churches, new clauses rather, were added in order to meet various heresies. Thus the words, creator of heaven and earth, were added to meet the Manichaean doctrine that the world was created by the principle of evil. See, beloved, most of us don't know these things, and they're so, so valuable. The word Catholic was added to distinguish the church from the sects, S-E-C-T-S, around her. The influence of St. Peter in drawing up the creed appears from the fact that the principles which are developed in his speeches as recorded in the Acts of the Apostles are those which are found in the creed. It was required before baptism as an evidence of fitness for the reception of that sacrament. Dear parents, everyone should memorize the Apostles' Creed, and the children should memorize it as well, prior to their first reception of Holy Communion, prior to their confirmation. They should memorize the Apostles' Creed, because the entire faith is in it, not expounded, as it was later expounded in, in full uh, explanation to combat heresies. Um, but the full faith is in there. And every child and every parent and every Catholic should have it memorized. Most of us say, who say the rosary have it memorized, but we should memorize it. And now we get to dig deeper into it and to understand it. There's the music, dear ones, for our second break. And when we come back, 
We'll take your your calls, your texts, and your emails uh, with whatever's on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for March 9th. Today we celebrate Saint Francis of Rome. Although Francis's parents forced her to enter into an arranged marriage at age 13, she preferred to become a nun. She and her husband had a good marriage that produced six children. Francis also found happiness in her sister-in-law, a soulmate with whom she shared ideals. The two women spent much time caring for the poor, especially in hospitals. Together, they also followed a life of prayer and penance. As her family grew, Frances devoted more time to the needs of her own household. When Rome was struck by famine and a great plague in 1402, she lost a son. Despite her own grief, she reached out to help the sick using all her money and selling her possessions. When funds ran out, she and her sister-in-law went begging door to door. Francis was ultimately given permission to found a society of women, the Oblates of Mary, who would take no vows, but would offer themselves to God in the service of the poor. At the start, Francis continued to live at home, caring for her family. Following her husband's death, she entered the community. Francis of Rome died in 1440. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live uh, by audio, not video today. Um, but very live, and um, we'll be happy to take your calls and your emails for the next half hour with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, and the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a um, an email from Charles, and Charles says. Did I hear you say that there is no way that St. Joseph would touch the Blessed Lady in any way, shape, or form? No, you did not hear me say that. Um, and you'd have to get the program, Charles, and the exact words, it's, it, because I wouldn't have said it in that way. Um, one of the emails or callers we have, I think it was last week or earlier this week, uh, was um, commenting that he doesn't think that some of the depictions of the of Saint Joseph hugging or holding the Blessed Virgin would have been true in real life because of her sanctity. He would have had a greater reverence for her, and I agreed with that him 
I never said that uh, she was never touched by St. Joseph and all of that, because I don't know that. There is a website I found that says that, but that doesn't make them authoritative. Um, Charles says, this is the logical end of what Father Roof Wolf rightly identifies as the lack of charity of traditional Catholics. I'm not a traditional Catholic. I'm simply a Catholic, Charles. Uh, that human affection is forbidden by God. Well, nobody would say that. I think your fault, Charles, is taking a statement and running with it in a way that the person who made the statement never intended. Charles goes on to say, you must also believe that the Blessed Virgin was never touched, hugged, changed, or comforted by her parents as well. Charles, this is pure silliness that you're writing, and that Jesus must never have had, never been held by his father. Not sure what theological puzzle you must solve to allow for Jesus having been held by his mother, but I suppose you have worked that out. Your, your email, Charles, is not just silly, uh, it's, it's truly irreverent uh, and very, very poor. Uh, he continues, the idea is so contrary to common sense, simple charity, and one could probably even argue against natural law that it sounds like someone would hear from a cult. All a mere mortal can say is sheesh. Well, dear mere mortal, you are, um, you are disrespectful in, in writing such a thing. Um, I never said there's no way that Joseph would touch the Blessed Lady. I cannot know that. Um, I agree with the caller that some of the de depictions that I've seen, I also feel might border on a certain lack of reverence. Um, but I never said that Joseph did not touch the Blessed Virgin. I'd have no way of knowing that. And um, I still don't say he has not touched her. Uh, and certainly that doesn't apply to Jesus. So, Charles, you, you ran off with something that... Um, and you, you made it something way beyond what was intended. We have a um, email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hello, Mother, I recently discovered your program and I'm catching up on the past shows. You recommended a book on scrupulosity while, a while back. It was probably a couple of years ago. I searched for the book by the title you gave and could not find it. I don't think you mentioned the author's name. Would you be able to give me the author's name? I suffer from this and would like to find this book or any other you recommend on this topic. I do recommend the, the, the title, um, dear one. I'll have to look up the author on the next break. It's, um, let's see. Uh, oh, no, I don't know that. I Scrupulosity... Uh, by the saints or of the saints, the scrupulosity of the saints, something like I will look it up uh, as, as soon as I can. If you keep listening, I'll have it on the other side of the break. And then um, uh, he says, for your viewer who emailed recently about getting out of Freemasonry, and, and that was yesterday, and wanted assistance, Father Ripperger's Deliverance Prayer Book has specific prayers for those who want to be free and past Masonic involvement, free of past Masonic involvement. This book would probably be helpful to this person. Thank you so much. I hope you're feeling better soon. God bless you, dear one. Um, I'm, I am feeling somewhat better. I'm just not 100%, but I'm getting there. Um, and you're very right. Father Ripperger's Deliverance Prayer Book. Um, I think it's through uh, Auxilium, Auxilium Christi Norma. 
Pristianorum. I'll, pro- I'll look that one up during the break as well. Um, Scrupulosity of the Saints and Father Ripperger's book, both two very, very, very good resources. Um, let me see. Uh, we have Paul, our friend from Massachusetts, on the line. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Mother. I'm praying that you uh, you get well and uh, Thank always you. A, a Thank love you. your words of wisdom. I want to just bring up two things to you. Uh, as you were talking about the importance, and of course, we can't ever uh, overlook at the of the cross. And I was just listening to you. The first thing that pops into my mind is uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. You know it well in chapter one. I'll just read in verse eighteen, nineteen. He says, "I know very well how foolish." The message of the cross sounds to those who are yeah. on the road to destruction. But we right. who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. Praise God. Amen. Beautiful, Paul. Perfect, perfect scripture for that. Absolutely. I had to get that out. And the other thing, Mother, yesterday our phantom, fictitious Catholic president as far as I'm concerned, he sucker-punched women all over the world on International Women's Day. By uh, you know, He honors women on one hand, and then he throws the haymaker by, uh, uh, by bestowing that award on a man who believes that he's a woman, a transgender right. How insulting, how vile, how vulgar. I mean, he, as far as I'm concerned, I'll say it, uh, Mother, it, 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 it's, it goes without saying. He has long excommunicated himself from the Catholic Church. That's exactly How right. Dear. That's exactly right. And shame yeah. on, shame on. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the cardinal there in Washington, who who um, I can't think of his name. If you can, Paul, that's all right. But uh, who forbid his priests to forbid. Uh, President Biden, the Eucharist, he has ordered all his priests to give President Biden Holy Communion. And I, I, I recall reading the article that the priests were in a conundrum. What, they, what are they to do? And I would beg every priest, you have vowed obedience to your bishop, to your cardinal. Um, but you don't vow obedience to heresy. And when a cardinal is disobedience, you don't obey sin, and that's what that is. I, that, I caught wind of that, too, yesterday, Paul, and it made me physically ill. Yeah, I mean, I had to get that out because, um, and, and like I said, I, I wholeheartedly embrace the dignity of women. And, and, I, I, and again, I don't know why more of these feminists, of course, they won't speak out against this. They never will. They're silent as a sphinx. You know, it's it's just it's terrible. Again, it's just another example how, you know, again, the the devil knows that his time is running out. This is why you're seeing. Uh, it's not that we're getting older and wiser. You know, you know, in more shrewd. It's just that we know that that his he knows his time is running out. He knows that Our Lady is hot on his trail, and she'll get him. It's right there in Scripture. We all know it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. So I mean, well, while I am I am appalled by all of this. You know, woke uh, you know behavior. I, at the same time, I know that God is permitting it, and He's going to bring about that that end where we're victorious in the end. We're already victorious. Jesus has already won the battle, but we have to do our part to ensure that all of those that have fallen away from His mercy, His grace, and from the gospel, that they come back and we shine the light of truth. And that's what Paul also talks about in that passage in Ephesians about God. you know, wake up, sleep, and God, and Christ will give you light. You know, we have to embrace Good. those words too, Mother. 
God bless you, Paul. I hope everybody's heard every, not just every word Paul has said, but his spirit. Um, We have to bring people back. We have the truth. And we need not to dismiss them. That's what the devil wants. But to pray for them and to get the truth to them. Absolutely. God bless your mother. You too, sweetheart. Thanks for calling in, Paul. God bless you. Um, Everyone, I just looked up. uh, Let me get it back. I, I was able to get... Um, scrupulosity in the saints. And so, oh, this is not scruples and sainthood is what it's called. Um, I, I, I said I would look up the book and I'm just able to get it. Scruples and sainthood, overcoming scrupulosity with the help of the saints. That's the title. Scruples and sainthood, colon, overcoming scrupulosity with the help of the saints. And the author is Trent Beatty, Trent, B-E-A-T-T-I-E. Um, it's very good. And you'll be surprised at the holy saints, canonized saints, who, who struggled with scrupulosity. So God bless all of you. We have an email from Rachel. And um, she says, Dear Mother Miriam, peace and blessings. I was searching the internet and found out you are accepting late vocations. Is this true? Yes, it is true. We always have our, our charism, which anyone could find on our website, motherofisraelshope.org is our website. Under vocations, you can, or under our charism, you can uh, open it up online and it says that we accept women from 18 to 118. That's it. Um, and I've often joked, or it's not even a joke, that if you're 119 and you can keep the rule, I make an exception. So we have all ages. At the moment, because we are limited in, here in um, uh, Tyler at the moment, because we're in two mobile homes and we're looking for some land um, where we can build a little monastery and take in more women. So we can, we're limited right now um, in Tyler. Uh, we're doing very, very well, but we need land and we need to be able to uh, expand. We have many women waiting to come in. But yes, it's true. Um, she says, I'm in my early 50s. That's fine. If it is, I would like to reach out to you and learn more about your community and way of life. And um, <clears throat> and again, uh, Rachel, just go to our, our uh, website, www.motherofisraelshope.org and uh, click under our charism and you'll find it. You can click on that and open it up and read the whole thing. She says, some questions I would like to ask are, do you expose the Blessed Sacrament um, uh, 24-7? No, we don't. We are a contemplative, active Benedictine community of sisters whose charism it is aside from keeping the the full rule of St. Benedict, is to help restore God's design for the family. So we work with families to help them be the family God has designed in teaching them and assisting them in in other ways. We have an hour and a half, holy hour for an hour and a half with the Blessed Sacrament exposed every single day. Do you pray the rosary and the chaplet as a community? We do that every single day. Are you cloistered? No, we are contemplative active. So if you are looking, dear one, Rachel, for a cloistered community, go ahead and look on the, um, um, let's see, the IRL, the Institute 
on religious life, and they will give you many, many communities, and you'll find out which ones are cloistered so that you can follow through with them. Can I schedule a retreat for a week or two to see and experience your life? You can do that uh, with us. Uh, when we when we schedule a retreat, we, we have a few women come at a time, and it's usually for two weeks. Um, but you need to read the charism first, and it's a booklet of several pages, and um, and know that you want to be part of this community and its uh, active apostolate. Um, uh, we begin prayer at five every morning. We end at eight thirty at night. We we follow the rule of Saint Benedict. Um, but again, um, we are active contemplatives, so we also. Um, give conferences and and uh, help families and all of that so god bless you and if this is not what god is calling you to um please go ahead there are many beautiful communities that are utterly cloistered carmelite benedictine um franciscan um and we we wish you all the best racial god bless you and we'll be right back after the break beloved This is Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth. Join Father Stephen Imbarato and I, along with many more, in New York City for the Gift of Life Walk on Saturday, March 25th at 11 a.m. in downtown Manhattan's Foley Square. We invite everyone to come walk with us behind the Men's March banner in this great opportunity to stand up together for the least of these on the Feast of the Annunciation, which is also the Day of the Unborn Child. Men, we also have a special men's night the evening before the walk on Friday, March 24th. Meet us at 6.30 p.m. for an important presentation on authentic manhood and the pro-life movement in the old gym at the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Manhattan. Make plans now to join us. We hope that we'll see you there. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. beloved this is mother miriam many of you are familiar with mother miriam live but i wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the station of the cross such as the catholic current father robert mctagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m eastern you can listen anytime to the catholic current as a podcast on the iCatholic radio mobile app There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests. Remember that saying that only dead things are taken by the current. If you're alive, you have to be going against the current. If you're just floating down the river, then spiritually we're dead. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Beloved to Mother Miriam Live, I am live. I'm doing well. We are by audio today, not video. This is our last segment. We have a good 10 minutes 
Our lines are still open. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. I'm able to look up um, deliverance prayers by Father Chad Ripiger, um for uh, the gentleman struggling to be done with um, his past life in Freemasonry. It's the title is Deliverance Prayers and subtitled for use by the laity and is by Father Chad Ripiger. I highly recommend anything by Father Chad Ripiger. Um, absolutely a beautiful, excellent priest. Um, Okay, um, we have an email from Michelle. Uh, she writes, hello, Mother Miriam, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well, Michelle, and thank you. Um, I've been meaning to get more involved with evangelizing, and I've decided to join the Catholic Women's League. What are your thoughts on this? Thank you, and God bless. Michelle, I don't know about the Catholic Women's League. I have not heard of it or gotten involved with it, but um, I could look it up for you and, and give you an opinion. But um, all I would do, what I do, you could do. And I would look it up, I would see who runs it, I would make sure that what they write is 100% Catholic, everything squares with the Catholic Church, that there's no heresy involved, um, that they are truly Catholic, um, and that they abide by the church's teachings. And then you want to make sure that their practices and how they go about evangelizing are also good and holy. So that's what you need to do. And I, that's exactly what I would do. So um, if you've decided to join, uh, it sounds past tense that your mind is already made up. I'm hoping you've done all that. And if you haven't, you need to do that. You need to make sure that they really represent that they're not feminists, that they're true Catholics, and um, uh, and that you would be um, uh, desirous of representing salvation uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ and his church through them. Uh, you need to find all that out, Michelle, and it shouldn't be difficult at all. I'm guessing they have a website. So go ahead and do all that research, and if you have any questions on it, I'll look at the website uh, that they may have after the program today. I don't want to take the time just now because we're almost out of time. But if you have any questions of what you find, then um, give me a give me a holler back. Um, okay, let's see now. Um, okay, we have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously. And says, Dear Mother Miriam, I've lately been focusing on studying my Catholic faith and focusing on a deeper understanding of the Ten Commandments and following them. Good for you. Good for you. I have a question. As we honor the Sabbath, my husband and I, after having attended the Tridentine traditional high mass, have often stopped at a restaurant on our way home to enjoy a relaxing lunch. We both work hard all week and I do not want to cook on the weekend. Is it against God's commandment to go out and eat on a Sunday if our intent is to relax? And what about the service who work at the restaurant? Are we sinning by asking them to work if we frequent their establishment? I am not clear on this point. Thank you for reply. Your reply, may God greatly bless you, a Catholic wife. I spoke about this yesterday, and I do think it's a sin, dear one. 
I do think it's a sin. To begin with, Sunday is not the Sabbath. That's a whole different uh, conversation. Um, Sunday is our day of rest. I'll just very briefly, in the Old Covenant, the Sabbath was the day of rest. But the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the grave on Sunday. So the day of rest and worship was changed from the Sabbath, which was the seventh day of the week, Saturday, to Sunday, the first day of the week, the first day of the new creation, sometimes called the eighth day. Um, So the day of rest is Sunday, not Saturday, and it's not the Sabbath. Um, The Sabbath is still Saturday, but we are to worship on the day that the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead on Sunday, 1 Corinthians 16, so forth. So, but yes, I, I... spent quite a number of t- about a bit quite a bit of time on this yesterday we are to hold the sabbath holy and we are not to work on the sabbath and if we go out to rest especially when we are blessed to be catholic and and a high traditional catholic mass yet on a, on on a sunday and then go out to relax and eat we are sinning because we are saying that we uh, believe that we're keeping the Catholic faith, but other people should not. They need to serve us on a Sunday. I believe we are sinning by going out and partaking of the world who we demand, so to speak, to serve us on a Sunday when they should be home with their families. And some say, well, but they're going to do it anyway. They're going to work anyway. Well, let them work anyway, but let us not be the reason for it. And I think if every Catholic refrained from going to a restaurant on Sunday or going to the malls on Sunday or any amusement park, everything would close like it used to be closed on Sunday because they'd have no customers. And so that would be the day off for people. They wouldn't lose money. They would just have Sunday as one of the days off for their employees because they do no business on Sunday. They wouldn't lose Monday. We'd, Monday we'd learn to shop on Saturday and other days of the week. So I, I certainly believe it's a lo- absolute lack of charity um, to go into a restaurant on our day of rest. Um, it's not our day. It's God's day for us. And we need to observe it and be absent from the world so the world could learn that the church retreats from the world on Sunday and spends it at home. I think that is so, so crucial. We have lost our Catholic witness in the world. I've heard this before. Our abortions are the same percentage. Our um, divorces are the same. Our immodesty address is the same. Uh, You can't tell Catholics apart from the world. We have to start living as Catholics and start witnessing. If you go into an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood um, on the Sabbath, on Saturday, all their stores are closed. And you will not see them even driving cars. We need to do that. We are the fulfillment of Judaism through the Jewish Messiah. And shame on us that we give no witness to it whatsoever. We must start doing that. Uh, Mark is on the line. Go ahead, Mark. We're probably a minute. Well, we're actually very, very close to closing. Um, okay. Good morning, ask- Mother. Uh, God bless Hi, you. Sweetheart. Yeah, it's just a simple ask- question. Yeah. Yeah. Is the sign of the cross obliga- obligatory for all prayers at all costs? Because I pray the deliverance prayers while I'm doing something. 
whenever temptations come into my mind, I don't make the sign of the cross, but I pray it in my mind. Like you should. You should. Now, you, oh, you mean you're not praying it aloud, you're praying it in your mind. Well, stand aside the cross in your mind, and then the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can say it silently. But that will be, especially, Mark, with the, it's not obligatory, but you're losing out if you don't, especially deliverance prayers. That will help to send the devil away from you. Yeah, that's what I do sometimes. For example, there's anger. Yeah. But anyway, that's all, Mark. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, it's okay, Mark. I'm glad you called in, sweetheart. Definitely make the sign of the cross, and if it's if you're praying in silence, make the sign of the cross in silence. That's okay. God bless all of you, and God willing, we will be with you tomorrow. God bless you. <laughs>